Turn your Bibles to Second uh, Timothy, Paul's final letter. He's about to die. He's writing to his favorite disciple, his son in the faith. He led him to Christ, most likely. And now he is writing his last, basically last will and testament to his spiritual son. And we want to uh, ask this morning, we, we've been in a series, for those of you that are first time with us today or you haven't been a part of this series, we've been uh, looking at a series called Hupakuo. And you say, Hupa what? Hupakuo. It's a Greek word that's translated in your Bibles, obey. But it literally means to be under what you hear, to be under what you hear. It means, and that's why it means obey, because when you hear something and you place yourself under it with a submissive heart, with the intent to obey it, well then your hearing becomes obeying. And so it's translated obey, but it's it's a way of hearing. And, and, and as we're going, as I've been doing this series for the last several weeks, and we came upon Mother's Day, I noticed something that in the context of these passages we've been studying about how to listen to a sermon, how to hupakuo, that in some of the key passages, Paul references Timothy's mom and grandma. And so as we came to Mother's Day, I, I, I think God's really using this series. And, and I just wanted to ask the question, what happens when mom begins to hupakuo. Now, if you say, well, I haven't been a part of this series, you can go to glenwoodconnections.org. You can download the previous lessons, but you don't need those to know what God has for us this morning. Notice in your notes it says, the greatest gift that you can give your children, no matter what their age, it doesn't matter if your kids are grown, if they're little, if they're in the nursery, if they're out of the home living uh, across the world, like these missionaries that we just prayed for, the greatest gift you can give your children is the gift of being a mom who begins to hupakuo. And that word begins is good. That means no matter where you are today, mom, or future moms, you can begin this today. Today is a new day for every mom here. Because God is that kind of God. He creates new beginnings. Now, what is hupakuo and how do you do it? I just kind of gave you that over you. Let's, let's see it. It's placing yourself under the preaching of God's Word for the purpose of obeying what you hear. So, Mom, today's the day to begin to place yourself under God's Word for the purpose of obeying what you hear. Let me uh, bring it down to where you are in the motherhood. It is practicing in your relationship with your heavenly Father what you preach to your own children as a parent. Every parent here, mom and dad, preaches to their kids, be quick to hear, quick to obey from the heart. That's what we want. That's what Son, daughter, be quick to hear, quick to obey from the heart. Ephesians 6.1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And the word there is hupakuo, obey. Children, place yourself under what your parents say with the intent to obey it. Well, all hupakuo means is we practice to our Heavenly Father what we want our children to practice in relation to us. Do what I say the first time you hear me say it. 
Now, isn't that what moms, come on moms, say, oh, please, Jesus, give me this today. Do what I say the first time. Well, you know what? That's what Hupakuo is. Our Heavenly Father looks down at us and He says, please, Jesus, <laughs> help them to do what I say the first time I say it. Did you hear me? When our kids, you know, when we say, did you hear me? What are we saying? Did you, why aren't you obeying me? You heard me. I know your ears are working. What the problem is, you're not wanting to obey as soon as you hear me. Let, let me give you another example of hupakuo. It is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and obeying it by turning from your sins to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior in order to be forgiven of our sins and to get a new heart. In other words, we should hupakuo when it comes to hearing the gospel. We should hear the gospel. That Jesus can forgive us of our sins, give us a new heart and a new way of life, and we should place ourselves under that by placing our faith in Jesus. It's used several times in Scripture that way. Let me, one more. What is hupakuo? It's how we should listen to the Bible being preached or taught in order to please God with an obedient response. Man, there's nothing that puts a smile on a mom's face or a dad's face more than a child that immediately obeys. Doesn't that just give pleasure, mom? Isn't that just... And, and, and of course, the opposite brings sadness and heartache and often really tragic consequences. So we want to do this. So here's the question. What happens when a mom begins to hupakuo? Now, to answer that question, we're going to go and look at two generations of moms. Their names are Eunice and Lois, and we read about them in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Verses 5 through 7. So let's read these verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Paul is writing to his spiritual son Timothy, and he says this When I call to remembrance the genuine or sincere faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now turn over to chapter 3 of that same book. And in chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, Paul makes a second reference to Timothy's maternal side, his his mother and his grandmother. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3, look at verse 14. Well, 13 gives us a little context. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's bad out there, Timothy. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood. Now, of course, who's he referring to? Mom and Grandma, Eunice and Lois. We just met them in chapter 1. Remembering what that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all the Bible is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. Do you notice how both these passages end in serving God? And yet they begin with a reference to a mom and a grandma. So why does the Apostle Paul remind Timothy of his family tree when Paul's about ready to face death? Well, Paul's preparing to leave this world. And he's about to enter the presence of the Lord, and he wants his favorite son in the faith to finish well. He doesn't want him to be discouraged. He wants him to be a strong and successful person for Jesus Christ. Moms, dads, isn't that what we want for our kids? To be strong and successful in the things of God? Well, First and Second Timothy are filled with a whole lot of exhortations about being strong, remaining true, fighting the good fight, running the race. But here in 2 Timothy, I just find it amazing that one of the first things that Paul seeks to remind Timothy of is not something about Paul, but something about his mother and his grandmother. Now step back from that and think. Paul is this really educated scholar in the Old Testament. He doesn't begin with quoting Genesis Leviticus, Exodus. He doesn't go to the Old Testament. He's this very spiritual person. He had visions where God took him up into heavens and revealed to him things that no one else had ever seen. And yet, he doesn't share these visions. This is a guy who is multi-talented, multi-gifted. But he doesn't say, Timothy, look at my gifting and then do what I do. This is a guy who was so committed for the faith, Paul, that he suffered. He had been beaten. Right now, he's writing from prison. And yet, he doesn't begin by saying, look, look at what I did for Jesus, and now you pay the same price. He'll get to that, but that's not where he begins. Where does this guy begin? He begins by bringing before Timothy the example of his mom and grandma. I mean, I find that amazing. Now, turn to your neighbor and go, that's amazing. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Is that where you would start? Let me ask you this. Is that where your children can start with you? Can they start with you and be motivated to live in a way that makes a difference? Why did he start with these women? It's very simple. They knew how to hoopakuo. They knew how to place themselves under the Word of God in such a way that they were obedient. And so, what happens when a mom begins to hoopakuo? Here's your answer. You have the potential, mom, to give your kids four gifts. Four gifts that will keep on giving long after you're gone. What happens when a mom begins to hoopakuo? You can give your children... Four gifts that will keep on giving long, long after your mom gone. So let's take a look at these very quickly. When mom begins to hoopakuo, she lives behind, uh, leaves behind a living legacy that's worth remembering. A living or lasting legacy that is worth remembering. And I, I say that it's worth remembering. When times get really hard. Look again at 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance your genuine faith, which dwelt first in your, in your grandmother, and then the baton was passed to your mother, and then the spiritual baton was passed to you. Timothy, times are tough right now, and I want you to remember 
You've got a lasting legacy that's worth remembering. I think that's powerful stuff. Listen, Timothy was living in tough times. I could take you through 2 Timothy. I mean, here's this guy who more than likely his father was an unbeliever. His father was an absent dad. His father could have been already dead. He was raised in the context of a mother and a grandmother. He needed a male father figure, someone to look up to. And he looked up to Paul, and here's Paul about to be killed. Paul's about to be killed. The one stable man in his life was about to be removed. That's tough times. On top of that, living for his faith was going to be dangerous. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, here's what Paul says. Yes, all who desire to live godly, Timothy, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. How's that for an encouraging word? Hey, Timothy, I'm about to die, and by the way, you're going to suffer just like I have if you try and live out what I have taught you. And then he goes on through this book, and he mentions no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, six different men who had either betrayed Paul, forsaken Paul, or actively tried to do him harm. And so here's these difficult, tough times. And yet in the middle of it, where does Paul go to try to help prepare Timothy to triumph during tough times? He says, I want to take you spiritually, relationally, emotionally, personally. I want to take you back to the legacy of your mom and your grandma. I call this to your remembrance. In chapter 3, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing, Timothy, who you learned them from, grandma and mom. So here's the question, ladies. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your children? Is it one worth remembering in tough times? Can your kids, when they're tempted, look back and say, what would mom do when she was tempted? When your kids are wanting to quit on God, can they look back and see you in the valleys and you persevering through those tough times? Do they see in you, oh, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about when you fell, you confessed and you got right back in the race. You ran to Jesus and he forgave you, cleansed you, put you back in there. He kissed the boo-boos. He fixed the sin and he forgave and put you back in the race. Is that the legacy? Well, it can be, but here's four things that you need to do. First of all, learn the Bible for yourself above all other sources of information and knowledge. He says, look at verse uh, 15, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Holy means sacred, set apart. There's a reason why this is called Holy Bible. Bible means book. It's the holy book. It's the book that is set apart from all other books. Do you realize this book is the most the least read bestseller every year. This is the least read bestseller. Every year, even in secular America, New York Times top seller, the Bible. And yet I would venture to say it is the least read of any bestseller book. And yet in these verses, 13 through 15, you see the word learn twice. You see the word know 
twice. Learn it. Know it. Learn it. Know it. Moms, you got to start by getting into the book. Mom, are you in the Bible for yourself? I don't mean reading children's stories at bedtime. I mean reading it and letting your Heavenly Father parent you. Number two, establish rock-solid convictions about the authority of the Bible and the way of salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone, that you share with your children. Do you see what Paul says in verses 13? And 14, or 14, you've learned these things and you've been assured. You're persuaded, you're convicted. Let me tell you, moms, if you're not sure of your salvation, you don't pass that, you don't pass assurance on to your kids. Moms, if you're not sure where you're going to have, I'm telling you, I'm begging you this morning. That the greatest gift you can give your children is a clear testimony of where you go after you die. And I don't mean the kind of stuff I want mom to be there, therefore I say mom is there. I'm talking about mom has told me her testimony. Mom told me where she crossed the line from being an unbeliever to a believer. She shares that story with me. Mom, when's the last time you told your child, your grown-up daughter, your grown-up son, how you came to Jesus? Listen, if you haven't done it in the last year, it's time to do it. It's time to do it. Why would we not? Why would we not? Don't we retell the fun stories? I, I asked a mom here this morning, tell me a fun story. We had a big, big fun hearing a story. And I'll tell you next week what I learned about Trina. It was a, it's a great story. Bumpers and trunks. and It's just a great story. We, we retell stories. Why wouldn't we want to retell the story of how we came to Jesus? Amen? And I'm telling you, when you're gone and they're sitting in that funeral room and that pastor is there and, and, and they begin to ask questions, I'm telling you the most precious story that your kids, grown and otherwise, should be able to share is I remember distinctly my mom telling me how she came to know Jesus. How she came to know Jesus. But mom, if you don't know, you can know today. See, this isn't, this isn't bad news. This is today. You can know that for sure. Number three, be sure of your own salvation with a faith that is convinced and persuaded. I think I preached that a little too early. Number four, persevere in your faith with an obedience that overcomes obstacles and resists the temptation to be a spiritual slacker. It's one thing to know your mom's in heaven. It's another thing to know that she went to heaven being strong in the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people who the only memory they have of their mom is how she got saved. They don't have any memory. It's like she got saved and then went dormant and disappeared from the church, disappeared from serving God. You see, Eunice and Lois had a legacy that lasted for a lifetime and was used as a means of motivating Timothy to serve God more. Now, you don't motivate your kids to serve God by being a spiritual slacker. It doesn't happen that way. You don't motivate kids to do what you don't do. 
And so here's your opportunity to say, I'm going to shake off my spiritual apathy. I'm going to shake off the lethargy and I'm going to step up. And today's my day to start serving my Savior. That's a lasting legacy. Moms, don't you want that? Don't you want that? Do you have a legacy that's worth remembering because you're persevering, obeying the Lord in spite of discouragement, in spite of disappointment, yes, even despite depression? You don't think Eunice and Lois, especially Eunice as a single mom, married to an unbeliever, perhaps widowed at an early age, did not have discouraging days, and yet she turned to Jesus. She turned to the gospel. So that's the gift number one, a lasting legacy worth remembering. But that brings with it the gift number two, a life pattern that's worth following. A life pattern that is worth following. So stay there in chapter 3 and let's move from verses 14 and 15, which, which really give us the lasting legacy. Let's look at the life pattern that's worth following. Look at 16 and 17. Here's how you get a life pattern that your kids can step and follow your footsteps. All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. See, that's a life pattern. So moms, how can you have this? Number one, listen to the Word as it is preached and taught with a heart that's ready to obey it. I I, I just cannot... You know, there was a day when it was normal to go to church. That day is gone. Okay, now you have to swim upstream. Now you have to make decisions. And I would just challenge you moms. First of all, I commend you for being here this morning. I commend you for being here this morning. What a great place to be on Mother's Day, right? I mean, you're already glad you're here, aren't you? Hasn't it been worth it just up to this point? It's been worth it, and it's only going to get better. I would challenge you to make a commitment. You know what? It was good today, and it will be good for the rest of the year. And I'm just going to be in church. I'm going to listen to the Word of God. I'm going to begin a whole new pattern in my life that I hope my children... And listen, don't think for a minute, Mom. Don't think for a minute minute that your grown children aren't still looking to you for guidance. That they aren't looking to you to say... I wonder if mom's going to be the way she's always been or if somehow God could change her to become something new and fresh. Because if, if, if mom could, if God, if you could do that with my mom, then maybe you could do that with me. And maybe you could do that with my daughter and my son. And so listen to the Word of God. Number two, let the Word of God parent you on a daily basis. Now, that's what that word instruction. Look in verse 16. Maybe you have another translation. What do you have for that last word? Instruction in righteousness. What other words do you have? Training. Training. What other words? Any other words? What? Equip. 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 Training. Instruction. The word is the the word is is rooted in the word mathetes. It's rooted in the word for disciple making, and so it means spiritual parenting. And I'm telling you, that's a beautiful thing to let God parent you. You see, some of us are here this morning, and we've never had a dad, we've never had a mom that parented. Oh, we have a parent, but they didn't parent. They weren't there enough. They didn't love enough. They didn't care enough. 
they didn't have time, whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. The fact is, I'm here as a grown adult who's never had a dad and a mom parent me. Well, you know what? I've got good news for you this morning. There's a Heavenly Father that wants to parent you where you haven't been parented. He wants to touch you in the places of your heart that no one has ever touched. That you wish He can give you the spiritual hugs you never got. He can give you the spiritual affirmation you always needed. He will give you everything that you are missing. He will give it to you, and He will give it to you, and He will flood you with it. But you've got to let him do it. And here's how he's going to do it. There's the path right there. First of all, he's going to tell you the right path to follow. And you've got to say, hoopakuo. Okay, I'm going to place myself under that. Okay, I'm going to listen. But the fact is, we're sinners and we don't always listen well. So then we get off the track and God has providentially left that sign blank. I don't know why it didn't print, but that's because he wanted you to write in the word rebuke. Okay, that wasn't my doing. The the copier computer link did that. Because I think maybe that's where we get stuck with God, isn't it? We get stuck on the rebuking part because he starts pointing in love as a good parent. Hey, you're off here. That attitude's wrong. You need some adjustment. And then we, we have a choice to either rebel or to realign. And then the beauty of it, God says, I don't just rebuke you to put you down. I, I rebuke you to correct you how to change and get back on the right path. And let me tell you, that's hard to do, but God will help you. And then you get back on the right path, and he says, now I want to parent you to stay on the right path. Listen, let God do that for you, Mom. Now, isn't that what you're doing every day with your kids? Isn't that what you're trying to do? This is the way walking. Oh, 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 get back on here. Get back on. Oh, okay, now stay on. Oh, uh, 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 that's parenting. And you know what? Every day God wants to do the same thing with you. Hey, wait, you're getting off. You're getting off. Oh, oh, you got off, but here. Here's how you get back on. And now let's stay on this. Number three, learn to share the Word of God with others. See, it's all about sharing what God is teaching us. John Calvin, the great reformer, said of Timothy, he was reared in his infancy, infancy, <laughs> infancy in such a way that he could suck in godliness along with his mother's milk. That's exactly what you have here. That not only was Eunice nurturing him physically, she was nurturing him on the milk and meat of the Word of God. Now, I came across this uh, this week, and I just threw it in here because it was so good. So I'm not teaching this. This is just five simple words to take with you to help parent and, man- and, 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 and raise your kids in the gospel. Manage, nurture, train, correct, and promise. The letters are... M-N-T-C-P. And here's how you remember those words. Moms need to constantly pray. Moms need to constantly pray. And so you take these letters, you take these concepts, and this is especially good for you young moms with younger children. Take these and just read through this. Pray through this. Think through this. It's a great pattern for how to apply the gospel in your parenting. You know, we got to get beyond the do it because I say so and into do it because here's God's promise if you do. Isn't that encouraging? 
totally different way to parent, a Christian way of parenting. So I'll let you chew on that. But the idea is you're giving your kids a life pattern that's worth following. Number three, third gift. To put this into practice, you've got to have a living faith that is worth practicing. A living faith that is worth practicing. Turn back to chapter 1 again. 2 Timothy chapter 1. In some ways, we're working backwards in this lesson, okay? I want to leave a lasting legacy worth remembering after I'm dead and gone. But see, that's where you begin. You've got to begin with the end in mind. How do I want to... You've got to put yourself in the casket to be able to live with meaning in the present. And so you say, I want this lasting legacy, but then that means I've got to work back and have a life pattern that's worth following, but then to put that life pattern into practice, I've got to have a living faith that is worth practicing. Look again at at, at chapter 1, verse 5. I call to remembrance the sincere, genuine faith that is in you. And so we're back again. Do you know Jesus? We're back again. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have a religious crutch? Or do you have a living faith that has created a new you on the inside? So let's take a look at this. He says genuine faith. So I guess that means there's phony faith. Right? I mean, if there's genuine faith, then there's phony faith. And there's a lot of people that have phony faith, and they think they're going to go to heaven. They think they know God, but they have a phony faith. And so how do I know if my faith is real or phony? How do I know if it's living or dead? There's dead faith, and then there's living faith. So let's take a look. Four ways. First of all, a living faith is a saving faith. It's a saving faith. It's one that receives Jesus as Lord and Savior by grace through faith. Listen, it's not a religious faith that says, because I've been good, I hope I can get to heaven. Because I've been good, I hope I can get to heaven. A living faith is, because I haven't been good enough, I need a perfect Savior. And I place my faith in what He has done, not what I'm doing to get me to heaven. You see, my mom left me that most precious gift that we talked about earlier. My mom left me the clear, clear testimony that she had saving faith. And it wasn't because I wanted her to have it. It wasn't because she was dead and now I wanted her to be in a happy place. It was because before she died, she had repeatedly told me how she placed her faith in Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you knew my mom, she ranks up there with my wife and just a few others who, who, who are sinless and Jesus died for them anyway because they're just so good. I mean, I'm telling you, my mom was a good, good, good woman. Humble, quiet, serving. If anybody could get to heaven on their works, it was her. And yet she knew she wasn't good enough and she had to place her faith in Christ alone. But here's the thing. It wasn't just that she believed in Jesus. Number two, she had a living faith 
is a sincere faith or a sanctifying faith. It's a sincere faith. It's one that bears fruit in godly living. In 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith. And the Greek word behind sincere is literally unhypocritical. Uh, it's, it's, it's literally, it, you transliterate it, it's unhypocritical. It's a faith that is sincere because it says, I believe this, therefore I live this way. And you see, my mom wasn't just a religious person. She was someone, listen to me, she was someone who was changed by the gospel. And not in radical ways, but in ways to where she c- continued to read the Word of God. She continued to, to love Jesus, live for Jesus, and, not in, 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 and she was not in a strong Bible-believing church. She was not getting strong Bible-teaching she couldn't dot all her eyes on her dot. But here's the thing. She, would, she was constantly feeding on the Word of God. And she would even, at one point, I remember her telling me the story in their Bible study. They were asking, the pastor was in the Bible study and he asked, what does it mean to be born again? And I don't, as I remember her telling me this, I don't think he knew. And she taught him. That's a sincere faith. One that knows the gospel, shares the gospel, and lives the gospel without hypocrisy. Number three, it's a living faith is a serving faith. It's a serving faith. You see, right out of this living faith in verse 5, right out of a sincere faith, what does he say in chapter 1, verse 6? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift that is in you. See, I find that beautiful. Sincere faith is a serving faith. No spiritual slackers here. And then I find it interesting that you go over to chapter 3, turn over to chapter 3, you see this life pattern in verse 16, but what's the purpose of the life pattern? It's, it's a faith that's put into practice, verse 17, thoroughly equipped for what? Every what? Say it with me. Every good work. So again, let me ask you, Mom, do you have a saving faith in Christ alone? Not your good works, but His finished work. And is that faith sincere so that after you placed it, God gave you the ability to do good works, and as you do those good works, you're serving God and others through a local church? That's what should happen. That's the pattern of real saving faith. Number three... A living faith is a steady or stable faith. It is a steady or stable faith. And what do I mean by that? One that strives to do good work, or I'm sorry, one that endures to the end of life or the return of Christ. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 21 through 23. 21 through 23. Here you're going to see that a living faith, a saving faith, a sincere faith is a stable faith. Look at, let's read it together. Look at verse 21 again. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind. Okay, you're unsaved by the wicked works, by wicked works. Whatever those wicked works are, and listen, God's so holy that on our best day we fall short. 
And so that's who we are. We're, we're, we're just a wicked people. Aren't you glad you came today? Happy Mother's Day, you wicked moms, you wicked dads, you wicked singles. We're all wicked. We're evil. You know, Bin Laden was more evil. But how much, how much dirt do you want in your water? How much dirt does it take to pollute clean water? I mean, if I gave you a drink, Jim, today, and said, Jim, this water is 95% pure, but I did put some dirt in it. Are you going to say, well, okay, 95%, that's good enough. Yeah, you would if you were thirsty enough. But if, you were, if, if, but if your standard was perfectly clean water, no pollutants allowed. And listen, God's standard is perfection, no pollutants allowed. So here we are, alienated, we're his enemies, yet now he has reconciled. He's made peace with us in the body of his flesh through death, death on the cross. And what did he do? To present you a holy and blameless and irreproachable glass of water in his sight. Isn't that beautiful? He's going to make you so pure that you're as good as he is. And he does it in Jesus. But then you have this horrible if in verse 23. If indeed, truly, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. See that steadfast, that, that stability, that strength? Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So you see... We're not talking religious ritual where I was baptized when I was a kid. I went to church when I was a kid. A priest or a pastor said I was saved. I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. And now I'm just going to ride into heaven on that. No, we're talking about a living, vibrant trust in Jesus Christ who's risen from the dead who's reigning on heaven, who gives His indwelling Holy Spirit so that we can live a steady faith in the storms of life. Now listen, now stop right there. Because see, the gospel produces in us, listen to me, the gospel produces in us a desperation that cries out, I can't do this. You're overwhelming me. And that's exactly how you should feel. You cannot do this. I cannot do this. That's why he does it through. That's why it's called faith. It's trusting him to do in us what we can't do. And so we get to gift number four. So hang on. Remember, I said we're working backwards. So don't despair. But don't say, I can do it. We're not doing bootstrap theology here. You know what bootstrap theology is? I'll just pull myself up by my own bootstraps, live for Jesus. Thank you very much. I don't need the church. I don't need the Bible. I don't need you teaching me. I don't need anyone telling me. I'll just do what I do and Jesus will be pleased. And Jesus will say, you and your bootstraps can go over here in eternal judgment because you don't need me. You don't need me for bootstrap theology. You need me to hoopakuo. You need me to give these four gifts. And so here's what you get. Gift number four, a loving spirit that is worth possessing. A loving spirit that is worth possessing. Moms, can you give this to your kids? Look at chapter 1 again, verse 7. This is so good. Because see, by now, I hope that God's spirit 
is causing a little fear in you. I hope that God's Spirit is saying, look, I'm scared. I I don't think I've been living this way, and I want to live this way, and I don't know that my kids can look at me the way they they need to. But look at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. But of, say it, but power and love and of a... Mom, there's hope. You don't have to be crazy. Okay? Motherhood, living in the motherhood, can drive you insane. Can I hear an amen, ladies? And I'm, t- I'm talking, it can. It can drive you into the ground of depression. But let me tell you some good news this morning. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of power and of love. It's a, and a sound. It's a gift. It's a gift. Let's see what the gift is. And before let's let's begin. Let me ask you, Mom. This last month, have you created a spirit of fear in your home? Have you created a spirit of fear, a spirit of negativity, in your marriage? Have you created an environment of constant criticism? driven out of insecurity and self-doubt? What's the tone of your home, Mom? Because you know what? You set the tone of your home. You set the tone of the home. You're the heartbeat of the home. And if you have an anxious heart, your home is an anxious place to live in that your children will want to run from. They will want to escape to a dorm and into the arms of a lover with a false hope of comfort and peace that is momentary and fleeting because sexual immorality never gives what it promises. But if they can have in a home, not the negativity, not, and I'm not saying saying yes to our kids all the time. Sometimes we get the idea that, and, and we worship kids in this culture, and we think we have to give them everything. All that does is produce selfish, self-centered kids. When's the last time you told your kid no on something? No. We don't have money for that. We're not going to spend money on that. No. In fact, I would challenge you, say no to them once a week. (laughs) Once a day, Pastor Bruce says. No. The answer is no. I love you? No. Listen, what are you setting them up for spiritually? Have you ever heard God say no to you in love? He says it all the time because He does what's best instead of pampering. He produces men and women of delayed gratification. Okay, I'm getting off the point. Let's get back here. A spirit of three things. Let me give you three things. First of all, God is ready to gift you this morning with a the gift of spiritual power. Spiritual power, the ability to, to do whatever God has commanded and expects of you. Mom, here's your Mother Day gift from God. The ability to do whatever God commands and expects of you. Number two, sound judgment. Sound judgment. The discernment to know what God would do in any specific situation. Would you like that gift, Mom? And then number three, sacrificial love. The choice to sacrificially serve God as an act of worship. Now, these are the four gifts that you have. 
Now, here's the thing. If you're born again this morning, you have these gifts. But the question is, first of all, are you born again? Second of all, do you have these gifts? But let me ask you the real kicker. If you're a believer and you have these gifts, have you unwrapped them and are you using them? Okay? But if you do, you will leave a legacy that is worth remembering, a life pattern worth following, a living faith worth practicing, and you will leave this kind of spirit that your kids will want to possess. So I've got a a final video I want you to look at, and this can be yours. Dear Mommy, you're the greatest. You're so pretty and smart, and you cook really good, too. I love it when you cuddle with me, read me stories, and kiss me goodnight. I like that a lot. Jesus gave me the best mommy in the world. I love you so so much. much. And I didn't realize how much I'd miss you. Thanks for the money. You'd be proud. I got a great deal on a new outfit. I can shop like you, but I definitely can't cook like you. Anyway, I really miss you, Mom. I know raising me hasn't always been easy. And I don't always say it, but I'm so So thankful thankful for you, Mom. I don't know how I'd make it through without you. Just having you to call and listen when I need to vent helps me more than you know. Was life this complicated when I was growing up? I know you had your own struggles, but you always seem to have a handle on things. That's why I need your grounding. And I thank God for you, Mom. You've shown me so much. I'm in awe of you. you. Not a day goes by that I am not grateful for you and for all that you've taught me. Do you realize what a wonderful legacy you have? I see so much of you in the kids and in their kids. And now a whole new generation is being built on the foundation of your incredible love. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And you know what? Today, today can be that beginning for you. But you have to begin with, do I know Jesus? And is my faith real? And where am I off track? Where do I need that missing rebuke? Where do I need to get realigned? Today, Jesus wants to introduce you to His Heavenly Father. Now, you have on your table, I I wanted to give you something because I I know God's working today. And I know you want Him to parent you the rest of this week and the rest of your year. So you take this and you pray through this, Mom. And you determine today, I'm going to be a mom that today begins to hoopakuo. And I'm going to be the kind of mom that keeps on giving long after I'm gone. Let's pray. 
Oh, Father, it's a privilege to call you our God and to call you our Father who sacrificed your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not have to eternally perish but have everlasting life relationship and be a new creation in you. And so, Father, I pray a blessing on our moms, old and young, grown children, young children. I pray your blessing upon them, that they would be like Eunice and Lois, and that they would be gifts that keep on giving long after they're gone. And Lord, bring forgiveness this morning to those that need it, who are falling short, who are tempted, and times are tough, but they need to, they need to just cling to you because you give a spirit of power, discernment, and love. And so, Father, we rejoice today because we have good news in Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Be blessed and have a great Mother's Day.